Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts. Today we come to the end of chapter 3 in our study of Hebrews. If you've been following along with me, you know that we are going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the entire book. And today we conclude chapter 3. We are in a series called An Anchor for the soul. Well, today I'm going to talk about unbelief. I'm going to talk about how, as a believer, we are supposed to battle unbelief. We are to guard our hearts from it. And today I'm going to teach you how to do that according to the scriptures. You know, my friends, if you enjoy the sermons we do with Awakened, then I know you would love the books that I have written. I want to invite you to visit my author page on Amazon or go directly to my website, awakenedtograce.com. Check out our store. You can actually simply go to awakened.store, and there you can see all of our resources and check out the books that I have written. I know that they will help you in your walk with the Lord. Well, today let's go to Hebrews chapter 3 as we talk about how to battle unbelief in our hearts. Well, let's dive in. Hebrews chapter 3. Last week we examined verses 7 down to verse 13. Today we're going to conclude with verses 14 down to 19, Lord willing. I came across this story this week that touched my heart very deeply. A young mother was expecting her fourth child in the state of Texas. Her third child had been born two years prior with severe health challenges. Severe. And so when the fourth child was announced, the mom and dad had tremendous hope and tremendous expectancy that this child was going to be quite healthy. During the time of her third child being born with such health complications and the birth of their fourth child, this mother unbelievably lost every small, she had a small family, but lost every family member except one to cancer in the short time of that. She wrote and let people into her story and let people into what she was facing. And she said that when it came time for their fourth child, their little baby girl to be born, she said, I had an inner confidence about myself. I had an inner strength and an inner faith about me that I knew there was a line and I knew that God would never cross that line. Even though I had went through so much and felt so much suffering, I knew the line and I knew God knew the line and I knew God wouldn't cross it. God did cross the line. And her fourth child, that baby girl, was born stillborn. And this mother of fierce faith wrote and said, 
my faith began to crumble. That's my question today. Can a genuine, authentic Christian's faith, can it crumble? I want to call today battling unbelief. Last week, I asked the question, can a genuine Christian lose their salvation? I explained to you what in my pastoral view are the dangers of our brothers and sisters who would say once saved, always saved, no matter what, and that side of the ditch. And then I explained the other side of the ditch, the dangers of those who would say, You have to work for your salvation, and if you do something wrong, you can lose your salvation. I took great pains to explain to you what I believe is the biblical view, and we're going to continue on in this text because it's what the text calls for. It's what the author of Hebrews is dealing with, and I want to answer this question today. Can a faith crumble? There are three times in this chapter that the author uses the word if. Should you and I not be extremely careful that small word if can twist our interpretation? I'm going to have much to say about that in just a moment when we come to it in our text. But for now, I want you to know where I am going. If you recall, beginning in chapter 3, verse 1, we clearly established Hebrews is written to believers. It's not written to half-saved people nor unsaved people. It is written to believers. And so when when the book of Hebrews gives its five great warnings, it is to God's people. The holy brothers... Those who share in a heavenly calling, verse 1. Chapter 2, those who are been brought into glory. Those who are being sanctified. The children of God. The seed of Abraham. On and on and on. It goes to affirm our salvation in Christ. So when we come to chapter 3, nothing has changed. We're still talking to genuine Christians, not half-saved people. People who, according to verse 14... Share in Christ. And I'll explain what that means. The point of last week, the point of this week, if I have to boil it down and, and, and say here is the main point, it is this. Brothers, sisters, if you are genuinely born again, here is the point. We cannot coast in our faith. We cannot be casual about Christ, the danger to the Hebrews, the danger that the author is warning them toward is that they would not replace Christ with other things. The danger is that they were going to go back to their former lifestyle. The danger is that they were drifting back to Judaism. The danger is that they were going back to the law and they were going back to the shadows. Whereas Hebrews is saying, no, you've laid hold of the truth. You have the reality who is Christ. And you and I face the exact same danger. 
You and I are at more danger in this affluent culture. You and I are in more danger in this busy culture. You and I are in more danger in this godless culture to drift away from Christ. And chapter 3 tells us how to anchor our souls to Christ. It tells us what to be on guard for. On guard for. It tells us what to watch for. And it tells us how to handle these things. We talked last week, verse 12, 13. Take care, brothers. Again, it's not speaking to the lost. Take care, brothers, that there be not in any of you an unbelieving nor evil heart. Why? Verse 13. Why? Because of the deceitfulness of sin. So as we walk through the text today, I want you to understand clearly my heart for you today. There are some people who I wish had greater assurance of their salvation. We talked about that last week. I gave you the sure fire proof, John 10, 27, to know if you're genuinely born again. His sheep hear his voice and they follow Christ. That is the surefire proof. I want Christians to have a firm, a deep assurance of their salvation. However, there are some. <coughs> there are many who I wish would examine themselves, who I'm afraid have a false assurance of salvation. I'm afraid that because they prayed a prayer when they were little, and I'll go deeper into this, because they prayed a prayer but yet had no transformation in their nature, had no transformation in their lifestyle, are they truly born again? 2 Corinthians 13, 5 says, Brothers and sisters, test yourselves, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith or not. 2 Peter 1.10 says, make your calling and election sure. Be diligent. Be diligent to make your calling and election sure. Why? Because there are some that's never truly been born again. I was laughing with my kids this week and uh, Piper and Pearl were over and I was laughing with them asking them if they knew what an oxymoron was. You're all familiar with oxymorons, right? No, it's not your teenagers. Even though I may have called them oxymorons all week that week, but that's okay. Probably wasn't nice, but... What are oxymorons? Brett gave me a great one yesterday. Jumbo shrimp. That's a good one. Freezer burn. That's another good one. Same difference. I like that. This is my favorite one. Pretty ugly. That's a good one. But what about this one? Unsaved Christian. Now that's an oxymoron of eternal 
consequence. The scriptures say, examine yourself, test your faith, see if you are of the faith. So let's read carefully what the scriptures say. Verse number 14, dive in with me. Hebrews 3, verse 14. It says, for we have come to share in Christ. Now that's a major statement right there. If you're going to take notes with me today, I want to make this so crystal clear. I'm not talking about salvation as in conditional, okay? Notice this is not a condition. It does not say, for we may have come to share in Christ. It does not say, perhaps we will share in Christ. As a matter of fact, the Greek is even more authoritative. The Greek is even more emphatic. And it says, we are partakers. We have come into Christ. The point is, it's not on condition. The point is, it's not a contingency. The point is that it is a fact. If you are born again today, you partake in Jesus Christ. You share in him. That means your soul is secure in Jesus and Jesus alone. Note for me, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. It says, for those who have joined themselves to the Lord have become one spirit with him. What a blessed verse that is. Are you joined to Christ today? Do you remember our study of chapter 2? The scriptures say in Hebrews that both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are what? One. Both the sanctifier and those who are sanctified have become one. Why? Because those who join themselves to the Lord become one spirit with him. You and I are united in Christ. Amen. We are of his household. Verse number six of chapter three. We are of the house of God. Ephesians says we are of his bone. We are of his flesh. We are of his blood. We are of his body, Ephesians 5. What is the point, Chad? The point is that as we read through this text, you're going to see the word if three times. And if you're like me, when you see the word if, you think condition, conditional, perhaps, maybe. We'll see how it washes out. We'll see how things work out. No, no. The Greek is extremely emphatic. We do share in Christ. We are in him. And what does the scripture say? No man can pluck us from his hand. What did Christ say? He would not lose one. Those are great scriptures. Now, if we are one in Christ... If we share, that word share is the exact same word as in verse 1. We are partakers of the heavenly calling. It's the exact same word as 2 Peter 1.4. We are partakers of his divine nature. Do you understand that? You now have the nature of God. That's why if you can sin and it doesn't bother you, 
You may not have God's nature. You have the nature of God within you. You now share in the nature of God. Whereas Ephesians says we once were of the nature of wrath. We were children of disobedience. Timothy teaches we were ensnared by Satan to do his will. John 8, teaches we were of the devil who was our father. But now, thanks be unto God, we become a new creation. Old things pass away. Everything becomes new. Why? Because our nature has been transformed by Christ. We now share. We now partake of his divine nature. Therefore, we share. We partake of a heavenly calling. Therefore, we now share. We partake in Christ himself. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. Make sense? Now, let's explain this then. Okay, verse 14 says, For we have now come to share in Christ if, there's our big word, if. So I want you to write this down because this is going to be the key to understanding this. The word, the the three times that the author uses the word if in chapter 3, do not think of contingency. What does contingency mean? Well, if something is contingent on something, if, if this is a contingency word, then that means it's by chance. That means that we'll see if it pans out. No. Instead, this is what I want you to write down for the word if. It is not a contingent word. It is a word of evidence. This is a word. Here's the word I want you to get. It is verification. What the whole point of chapter 3 is in the book of Hebrews is to help believers like us verify whether we are of the faith or not. It helps us verify our salvation. And watch what it says. I love this. One of my favorite little hidden treasures in the book of Hebrews, and I can't wait to share it with you. I've been wanting to share it with you for weeks. And I've held my tongue. I've done good. Now note carefully with me what it says. For we have come to share in Christ, that's our security, if indeed we hold to our original confidence firm to the end. That word confidence is huge. I want you to write this down. The word confidence here speaks of an internal assurance of the heart. I love this so much. It is a different Greek word than the confidence found in verse number six. It says there we are to hold fast to our confidence. But do you know what that confidence means? We explained it when we were in verse six a few weeks ago. That word for confidence means an outward expression. Do you know what I see between verses 6 and verses 14? I see such a progression of growth within the believer's life. I see a believer who gives an outward profession of faith. Verses 1, 2, and 3. I see a Christian who gives that outward, that profession of faith, as it speaks of, in verses 1, 2, and 3 becomes the outward confidence, the outward expression of the mouth. 
But then what does it grow into? It grows into a deep assurance of the heart. Do you see the progression of verses 6 to 14? What should be outward of the mouth grows into an inward confidence of the heart. Brothers, sisters, is your faith at that point? Is your faith simply an outward expression? Is your faith simply church? Is your faith just simply your childhood and things you learned as children? Or has your faith ever grown up with you? Have you ever done, as Peter instruct, grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't want my faith to stop short at an outward expression. I want it to grow into an inward confidence. I want it to grow into an inward assurance that God's word is true. And let everyone else, let every other man, be a liar, the scriptures say. Amen? Amen. I want to have confidence, not in myself, not in others, not in you, not in the church, because every one of those at some point will fail you. Is that right or wrong? They will fail you. My good friend Vincent, he I love sometimes he'll... He'll tell me, he'll say, Chad, uh, I love what you preach, but I'm going to keep you honest. I'm going to read the word for myself and see if it's true. <laughs> I love that. Don't take what I say. Dig for yourself. Get in God's word and let confidence grow in your heart. Let it grow beyond your mouth, beyond a profession to an inner stability, to an inner confidence. Can we say amen today? Note for me, Colossians chapter 1, verse 23. As a matter of fact, just go there with me. Go there with me, because this is my heart for you as a pastor. Now, what did I say? The word if is not a contingency word. It's not perhaps. It's not maybe. It's not hope so. No, it's verification. It is evidence that you are in Christ. Oh, I love that. Do you know why this is so dangerous, brothers and sisters? Well, let me, let me, let's read Colossians 1 first and then I'll, I'll, I'll explain, explain a little further. Paul writes to them that they be diligent about their faith, that they be rooted in Christ and diligent. Oh, I can't stress that enough. We must be diligent. You can't coast. And I'll show you why in a moment. Be diligent about your faith. Why? That you would be stable, that you would stabilize in your faith, that you wouldn't be up and down and you wouldn't be, as James said, like a wave tossed about the sea. No, no. A double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. No, don't be that way. Become stabilized in your faith. Look what it says. Not shifting from the gospel which you've heard. See, I want to call this today battling unbelief because this is what happened to Israel. 
Belief came, unbelief came into their hearts. The generation that saw God do his mightiest acts upon the earth, and yet unbelief came to their hearts. Paul says, no, I want you different. I want you stabilized in your faith, not shifting from the gospel which you heard. I love that. Take Awakened to Grace with you on the go. When you download Awakened to Grace on your device, you will have access to hundreds of resources we create all for free. Sermons, music, articles, and more. Download Awakened to Grace wherever you get your favorite apps.